Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, Dueling Questions episode with Cage Lawyer. You may have listened to his different podcasts. He's had several, the Luca Nation Network with Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze, oh my. And now he's got his individual show. He's a guy, I think, that talks for a living. So dueling questions with him was fun. I think you'll see that we enjoyed the time and did some interesting questions. Every one of them is different. So thanks, Cage, and thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here it is. Your name is Beckett. Still got a company out there by the name of Beckett. What do you think about what's going on with Beckett this year? I'm hoping this is a transitional year for my old company. I still have a lot of people there that I really have close relationships with. I've known Kevin Isaacson for a long time. I didn't know Kunal that well, but I think he was an attempt to bring the technology back to the forefront. And I think that's still a challenge, but they got to get back to basics too. So I'm hoping that will be the case. I've submitted ideas to him over the years. I think Kevin will be a little more receptive because he gets it. It's not a simple industry. It's actually a very complicated industry. And perception is more reality than most industries. Yeah, I'm hoping this is an inflection point. And we're hopeful on the way back up. Yeah, and I stand ready to help if they want me. I'm retired, but I'm not so old that I can't help in some ways. Okay, my question for you, what kind of an attorney are you? I'm guessing you're a litigator. My second career, I was a full-time expert witness. So I've testified in federal court 100 times. Wow. uh, More than most attorneys other than litigators. And there's really two kinds of attorneys, the litigators and the guys that negotiate. (laughs) How does that help you in this industry? I've done many things over the course of the last 22 years since I got out of law school and passed the bar. But right now I work for a real estate developer. I am in litigation, mostly construction sites. I do everything from cyber to workplace harassment to people falling down. I work for a specific company and I do any type of claim or litigation that comes in and handle it on behalf of that company. It sounds like defense. Yep, defense. Uh, I was predominantly a defense. Expert. Expert witness. So how does it help in the industry? Two ways. Number one, when dealing with cards, it's funny. I have an interesting background, right? I've negotiated for a living. And it's not a one size fits all. You got to know who's on the other side of the negotiating table. I remember National Chicago a couple of years ago, I did a deal with Sasha Tamadan, who was all about the camera, get it all on camera and negotiate. It was a big deal. And I did not vocalize at all during the deal. I just slid pieces of paper across the table. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. You flip it over, switch it up. And it worked. I think it worked for both of us, but it worked out. And he made some comments afterwards. I've never seen anybody negotiate like this. It was the weirdest thing ever, but we both got what we wanted out of the deal. On the other side, obviously, I'm not afraid to talk in front of anyone. I've argued in court of appeals in New York. I've been quoted in the law journal here. You know, I try to be measured with what I say, but more importantly, you want to put me on a panel, you want to put me in front of a room of people to speak. Before I went to law school, I was the fraternity rush chairman and gave the speeches to people as to why they should be in the fraternity. I've never had a problem speaking. Law school fine-tuned that for me. Okay. My turn for you. If you had to pick just one Beckett magazine cover that is your favorite cover of all the covers you made, what would it be? Baseball number one, the very first issue, because basically... (laughs) It's pitiful. I designed it. <laughs> All the others look better, but the first six or seven of them were when it was such a small team. It was me, myself, and I. I had a part-time assistant at some point, but I was design director, editorial director, finance director, you name it. So I'm more proud of the first 
things that I, they say, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're not embarrassed with your first product, you waited too long. (laughs) Roberto Clemente was my favorite player. So that's the tie in there. Jim, just to follow up on that one, real easy, just because people will get some fun out of this. How long was it just you, yourself and you, me, myself and I, how long was that? A few months. For a couple months, I was in like a high rise office and all of a sudden I just was getting too many copies. I couldn't take all the stuff down the elevator. It just was too successful too quickly for a lot of the copies we were sending out. Good problem to have. I ask it because there'll be people listening to this. One of the fun things about the hobby has been, there's been a lot of entrepreneurs come into this. People starting their own business, people starting podcasts, content, you name it. I think it's important for people to hear someone as successful as yourself, someone who's been in business for that long, to know that you started yourself, you worked yourself, you had success yourself. It wasn't, I'm going to be the CEO of a company and hire a team of 15 people. You had some success before you branched out. A lot more success when I had great teammates. Yeah. It was just me. I'm putting the labels on the making up the boxes, going down the printer, doing the press checks, then packing up the boxes and driving multiple trips to the depot to drop off all these boxes that were going out all over the country. Like I said, that's the start. And it's funny to look back. And I think sometimes if I had known, I guess I still would have done it because it was a labor of love. But You don't realize what it's going to take. And the ramping up was faster than I thought. Okay, my question for you. I was wanting to have you on my podcast at the point when your number of episodes exceeded mine. Because I'm up in the high 900s now. And somewhere in the mid 900s, you guys passed me up. And I say you guys because it was mainly you and Andrew. And I've had Rich Klein as a frequent co-host, but it's very pleasant when he comes on occasionally. See, not all the time, but he's on enough that we really have a good rapport. You and Andrew had a yin and yang thing going there, but in the good times of that, did that make it easier when you had a co-host for several years until now, and now your numbering has started over, and so I'm ahead of you again. Not so that it's I'm funny. Not that yeah, I'm the numbering's an interesting thing, right? We used to do. Uh, you had a bunch of them that weren't numbered, though. Correct. And Correct. So, uh, we did. Uh, we did a year and a half worth of football episodes on whatnot only, which didn't even get published anywhere. You had to be on whatnot to get the NFL picks and buy cards from whatnot. It was a whole episode there. Where Andrew was great. He would make a bananas play of the day and put on this hat that had bananas on it. It was always the Lions and it never came in. So it was fun. But does a co-host matter? A hundred percent. I wouldn't trade 900 and change episodes that are numbered or any of the non-numbered episodes for anything. And, you know, what's funny is I will say this and I'll say it on any podcast or just myself. I owe all of this to Andrew. I would never have done this on my own. Never. The origin of the podcast, I happened to be in an IG group, just selling cards, showing stuff, telling stories to a bunch of younger people. And my basement is full of stuff like any other old collector from the 80s is full of stuff, right? And I would take some out and show it off. And people were like, you should do a podcast. And three people in the group said, Gage, I'll do a podcast with you. Only Andrew sent a Zoom link the next day. And we recorded three episodes on July 17th of 2020. We never looked back. We did one basically every day after. Things run their course. I try to do a guest episode at least once a week. I've done that so far since switching over the format. I love those episodes because I love the conversation. I'm enjoying this, talking to you. When you're doing an episode every day, a lot of the times we would come on and it was like, okay, what are we going to talk about today? It was almost like running through the motions doing what I'm doing now. I usually have something that I want to share, either a card to talk about or something that's going on in the hobby or something like that. One of the things I'm promising here now is not to do content just for the sake of doing content. Sometimes when you're doing an episode a day, that kind of gets mixed up in the sauce. Yeah, I miss having a co-host. Anybody wants to send me a resume, 
<laughs> co-host, please, cagelawyer at gmail.com. <laughs> I basically think my challenge is I'm self-limiting to 15 minutes. Yep. And I was daily for a long time. That's where it's tough to have a co-host, especially a co-host with opinions and stories and points of view. I'm fortunate having Rich that I've worked with so much, Rich Klein, that he can finish some of my sentences. But still, we've got to get it out in 15 minutes. And that's proved to be trickier than I thought. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to chill the dialogue. So I basically will chop it into more than one episode as I try to have a drive time audio podcast which used to be each day for a while. Yep. And then it was five and now I'm down to three and I feel like I'm loafing cage. <laughs> so, we thought 15, 20 minutes when we started also, if you go back to the beginning pilot episode, the first couple of 15, 20 minutes, but the conversation, like you said, it just, it takes on a life of its own. I, no, my point is you get a co-host and you double yep. <laughs> because two guys are there. Okay. So I got one pretty easy. Cause you got a nice wall of cards behind you. I see such a great, vast i see 82 wrestling all-stars on top of a barry sanders pmg on that wall i see all kinds i see jambalaya i see all kinds of stuff being in a hobby as long as you have to have a favorite card that you've owned and also how about a card that you never have owned but you want to own something that you're still going after i don't call it grail we use that term too much but what's a pc card that's your favorite and then something that you haven't gotten yet but you still want to get for your collection I'll give two favorites. One is a Gaudi Ruth that I got from my dad. Because my dad was a collector. And the other probably would be Roberto Clemente autograph rookie card. Okay. I actually didn't get it in person, but I got it later. And a card I'd like to have, <laughs> I was the underbidder 40 years ago on a Wagner for thousands of dollars, not millions of dollars. That shows how smart I am. So. I was offered a Wagner right after the turn of century for $173,000. Yeah. And I turned it down. And I had the money at the time, but wound up putting a down payment on a house. Bad investment. Should have went with the Wagner. Could have lived in that Wagner. Okay, question for you. You're Cage Lawyer, but that's not your name. And you mentioned that, so I'm not going to say what your name is, but this is a what-if question. Yeah, what, what if? if I had done the same thing? And instead of being Dr. James Beckett, I was Dr. James Statistician. <laughs> And so now there'd be the statistician monthly price guides, the statistician grading service, if I chose not to use my last name, which now I've lost the commercial use of my last name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this when is I what happens. the company, they have the commercial rights <laughs> to Beckett stuff. Which, by I the way, is a little myself. crazy. That's a little crazy in and of itself. It is Someone crazy. else owns your what name. What if in the beginning I had named myself Dr. James Acme, Dr. James Statistician, whatever. Talk about that because, you know, I used my name, but you chose the other way. Nothing bad, but just no, of course. have a right to call yourself whatever you want to in the day of social media and digital. Yeah, 100%. I know exactly where you're going. It's funny. I go back to when we were starting this. Should I have just used my name? Would it be easier? And I'll tell you, the decision was pretty straightforward. So Cage Lawyers, if you look up the Twitter, there's an S. The, the origin of that, real quick, I was trying to help UFC fighters with contract disputes. And I started something called Cage Lawyers, the phrase never fight alone, not a trademark on that. And it was helping fighters with contract disputes in different fighting organizations, trying to get into the UFC, trying to get out of their contracts, problems with their sponsors. And I built up a decent following on Twitter, but I never had an Instagram account. I was selling cards on Twitter. I found that Instagram, the hobby was bigger. It was actually Gary V who I sold some cards to. And he was like, get on Instagram because people on Twitter already knew me as Cage Lawyer. 
I just carried it over. There's nothing nefarious to it, nothing crazy there. I had already built up 1,500 followers on there. So that's really the whole genesis of it. But I will tell you, Jim, every now and again, people are like, wait a second, your name is not Cage? We were at the show at Hofstra. I brought my wife. And one of the dealers was like, hey, to my wife, did you know his name's not Cage? <laughs> yeah, I know. So. Just go with it. I'm just saying, <laughs> history would have been different if I had done something like that. Okay. But it works out. It's a good name. And you never know how that's going to work out. It's Maybe distinctive it's enough. But again, like I say, I lost my name, Cage. Maybe you could win it back for me. But you got it. Some of my friends have said, why didn't you just keep your name when you sold the company? I said, well, it really doesn't work that way. Correct. I think your name will live on because of this. Your name is synonymous with the hobby for generations of people. I think what you've done is amazing. It's great that you sold it. It's a cool thing. And yeah, if you tell me right now, hey, I'm going to start a company that's going to outlive me. The name is going to have an impact on as many people. I'd use my real name. Sure. Why the heck not? Especially if you knew it was going to turn out well, which I didn't know that. I've talked about integrity, having a visibility and a transparency component to it. You've got to be seen and you've got to show enough of yourself that they can believe that you have integrity and are trustworthy. Listen, I think you're 100% right. The first bunch of episodes I did was just audio. And then it was like, okay, we're going to be on camera every day. I'm pretty recognizable. <laughs> My face is out there doing content on Instagram, trying not to hide from anybody. The man in the house of cards.